Welcome to episode 75 of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. He's back again, the man, the myth, the legend, the dude with the hair and the guns. My man, Coach Nick Caduti, head coach at Fulcher High School in Fulcher, Texas, home of the Chargers. In this episode, we talk about his reflections as a first-year head coach through this 2021 football season, what he's doing to continue the momentum and build off of a strong season going into the 2022 offseason and eventually into the fall, lessons he's learned, his path to getting to a head coach spot, and what he would give advice-wise uh, to his staff and anyone else looking to climb the ladder like he did. Before we jump into the episode, just a few housekeeping notes. Always remember to rate, review on any of the podcast platforms that you utilize to listen to this episode. And anytime that you find value in this episode or any other episodes, please remember to share those with others. A couple of notes from our sponsors. Texas Treaties Cookie Company is a Dallas-based cookie company that offers a listener discount of a special 10% off promotion. Use the code podcast at checkout. Check out the show notes for a link and more. Etiquette Dawn is a truly custom apparel company that will have you looking like a sharp dressed man. Check out www.etiquettedawncustomapparel.com for more information. Podcast listeners, if you want a good, strong cup of coffee or any other swag, check out vikingcoffeeco.com. Utilize the code Coffee with Noonan for a 10% off discount on single item purchases. Now, let's get into the episode with Coach Nick Caduti. On today's episode of the Hang With Coach Noonan podcast, I am rejoined by the man, the myth, the legend, the hair himself, Coach Nick Caduti, head coach now of the Fulcher Chargers. Coach, what's going on, man? Thank you for man? coming back. <laughs> Heck of an introduction, man. I, I, you know, people tell me I'm a, I'm a kind of a douche half time anyway. So when you get introductions like that, all you do is laugh. <laughs> no, man. No, man. You're awesome. Of course, I'm sure there are haters out there, but you know what? If you're not being hated on, you're probably not doing anything worthwhile, and you're sure as hell probably not doing anything right. Oh, 100 percent, man. You know this. So. <clears throat> You wrap up your first year as a head football coach. I know you've been chasing that opportunity for a while and, and you get it presented to you and you go to Fulcher. It's a relatively new school. You guys finish uh, five and six overall and uh, lose in the, in the first round of the playoffs. I think it's, you know, in the short existence of the high school, it's probably the best season they've had. Is that right? Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. So we made the playoffs for the first time in school history. Um, school's a little over uh, five years old. I had made the playoffs. Um, we snuck in, man. It was uh, we we had the opportunity to control our own destiny. Didn't do it. Um, you know, we're trying to break some bad habits. But man, I will be brutally honest with you. I mean, our last game of the year, we lost to Huntsville in triple overtime on the inch line. And if you've ever seen a bunch of kids act like they care more than anything in the world watching our entire team fall to their knees, you know, and, and that was on a Thursday night and, you know, Huntsville's going crazy because they're going to go to the playoffs. And then Friday, a team that needed to win won, 
and another team that needed to lose lost, and we got into the playoffs. And you, I'm telling you, we got a group face time with our kids and our coaches, man, and it was like we won the Super Bowl. Uh, it's awesome to see, man. It's awesome to watch. Uh, it's awesome to watch that stuff. That's that's great to hear. And it's when you talk about changing the environment, changing the culture. You know, let's let's rewind a little bit, before, you know, and to get to that point where losing on Thursday night is so detrimental to to the elation that next Friday, you get the opportunity to interview for this job. What made you say, one, I want to interview for this job, but two, if they offer me this job, I will take it. Because that's got to go through the back of your mind. Like some things you may just interview to get the experience, but others you're like, hey, I'm in on this. Like this is this is one I would want. You know, so I had been in on the Lamar Consolidated High School job um, in, right after COVID. So my father passed away right before COVID. Um, they had reached out to me about that job at Lamar Consolidated, and I actually finished uh, number two for that job. Excuse me. And so when I finished number two for the job, they called me and told me that there was going to be another opportunity, another school was going to open, and they would love to interview me for that one the next year. And so we were at Tom Baldwin that COVID year, right after that COVID year. And, you know, when I moved to Texas, man, I really didn't want to be a head coach. I didn't, um, I didn't want, I didn't want to deal with parents. I don't want to deal with the stress. I wanted to just coach, go home, hang out with my daughters. Um, and it kind of just kind of grew back on me doing the uh, head coaching thing again. Um, and here I am. I uh, am, you know, I'm sitting here and, you know, I'm interviewing for these jobs. And so I interviewed for the second job after, after a year at Tomball. So I know Tomball rolled this year. Um, and we kind of all knew that was going to happen. Um, and I'm proud of those kids and those coaches, man. It was a great year for them. And we finished the same record they did um, that first year. We just lost in the playoffs by a couple points um, in a tie. So um, I interviewed for I interviewed for Randall High School, and um, I ended up finishing second to Brian Randall for Randall High School. And they had this position opened up in the school district, and they called me and asked me if I'd be dumb enough to get punched in the face three times. <laughs> So, you know, I, I went down and visited um, the school, looked around. It's a community that I absolutely love, and I felt like there was just something special because in a school district where there's seven schools, six schools, you know, it, you know, it's the only school that has its own town. So we have our own community. Like, Fulcher is an actual city. Um, believe it or not, I'm finding out more and more about the history of the place. It's kind of a cool old town. It used to be a bunch of uh, brothels and saloons, and they said that people would die in, in a duels in the streets in the 1800s and they said it was like uh it was the true wild west so you know and so you kind of have that whole thing there and and the other thing i really liked about it was it's the fastest growing school in the state of texas um so when i took the job in march there were about 1700 kids in the entire school um we snapshotted 2140 and right now we're at 2280 so uh, we're blowing up and it's you know you know as well as I do, when people move in, good things happen. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So you you sit in the interview and you sit in other interviews. What is it that your time at other places, you know, particularly like at Tomball and being the OC, how do you think that that prepared you uh, to be ready to accept a head coaching job, you know, in Texas? 
I'll be honest with you, man. Nothing gets you ready. Uh, and that's the God's honest truth, man. You know, there's so much that goes on. Dealing with parents, dealing with other sports, the administration stuff. Dude, I probably spend 10% of my day working on football. You know, the football stuff's easy. If you know the game, you know the game. You know that, I know that. If you know the weight room, you know the weight room. Um, but delegation has been one of the biggest things for me. Um, but I will say this, that you know, the one thing that helped me was doing it all. So the guy that I worked for, Kevin Flanagan, is a rock star, man. He, he from Westbrook to Tomball, let me do what I needed to do, what I wanted to do, to allow me to know how to do budgets, how to do bus requests, you know, how to, how to, how to form a booster club. I mean, that's stuff you have to know, right? Uh, and, and these are things that I think a lot of people take for granted that planning uh, and let me do. And so when I got the job, you know, you it's a business. And if you don't come in with a business plan and have an idea of what you're going to do, you're going to fail, um, especially if you don't surround yourself with people that know what they're doing. Um, but, you know, honestly, it's just kind of being understanding and learning from guys that you've coached with. You know, I've learned how to deal with some parents. I've learned, I've learned how to handle uh, grades from being different places. Well, you know how it is. Um, if you, if you take the good and the bad from everywhere you go, man, it's, that's what happens. You learn, and, and then hopefully you surround yourself with really smart people. <clears throat> when you when you got to Fulcher, what was what was the initial got to get this this and this done? Like you got your checklist of things to get done. What would you say was probably in your top three to five things that? within the first, you know, month or two, I needed to get these things taken care of. You know, so when, I, you know, I've been told that there's like a checklist, first things to do in the first week, first things to do in the second week, so on and so forth. You know, for me, it was, it was pretty simple. For me, it was, these are the things I had to get done. Number one, I had to meet with the coaches. Um, I needed to make sure that those coaches knew that I wasn't here for their jobs, that the opportunity was always going to be there, that I'm here for them, for the kids. Um, the next thing was I needed to meet the kids immediately, as fast as I possibly could. Um, the faster I can meet the kids, uh, you know, the better chance I get to build relationships with them, the better chance I have of being successful with them. Um, the other thing is I needed to make sure I made myself um, seen and, and known throughout the community and within the school. I think a lot of people forget about those things because you can get caught up, man. You can get caught up at your desk doing stuff because there's a million things to do. You know, but the business plan is pretty simple, man. It's meet the coaches, evaluate, um, sit back and watch. Sean McDowell told me he, he gave me three days before I kind of took over. Uh, it was two. <laughs> I told him it was going to be a week. Um, but, you know, really, you have to have a business plan. When you roll into a building, you have to know what you're trying to do, what you stand for, what your morals are, what you're looking for. Um, evaluation is always going on in your mind. And not to mention, you're the you're the only one there. It's really, it's almost uh, deserting because it's just you and you're the new guy and everyone knows you have control and they, they don't know how to look at you and everyone's nice to you and, you know, you don't know, you don't get to see who people really are and you're trying to figure out, you know, who knows who, you know, who was up, who aligned with the old coach and you got to try to find the good ways around them. It's, it's uh, for lack of better terms, man, it's a soap opera. Yeah, that's, that's really... That's a true way to say it because, you know, we know that the kids can smell the BS a mile away, but as somebody coming to a new place, you, you pretty much have one of two ways to do it. Either you can just bulldoze through it and just go ahead and say, I'm going to set fire to everything and piss everybody off, or 
you may lean towards the too nice and, and, um, without trying to be, and then you end up kind of screwing yourself over. So how did you weed through that, um, in order to evaluate whether or not to keep certain guys and how quickly kids were buying into what you wanted to do in terms of steering the direction of the program? So first things first, when I met the coaches there, I met all sports and I actually gave them a evaluation, um, like an online Google form, value, like a, almost like a survey. I wanted to see what they thought. I wanted to hear what their thoughts were previously, what they were looking for. So I got an idea before I even walked on campus, I kind of had an idea of who people were, you know, what kind of personality they were, um, things like so on and so forth. You know, John Arnett, uh, who's at Tampa right now, had he's a really intelligent guy, kind of gave me some idea on how to handle questions to deal with personality. And so, you know, you got to feel for who people were when you walk in the door. You need to figure out quickly who was going to leave, who wasn't going to leave. Um, you need to figure out, you know, who had your back, who didn't. And, you know, a lot of coaches don't prepare you for that deserted, like very awkward feeling. And that first two months is rough, man. It's stressful because you're going, you know, you forget how exhausting it is to start over a program when you've been doing one for four years. Um, and so, but it's, man, there's that energy. It's exciting. It's easy to build a culture. It's hard to maintain. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's, that's kind of where we're at. You know, I think we've done a really good job at this point. Now we have to, we really got to nail that, that nail down. We got to hammer it down. Yeah. So what do you come at? What did you come in with in terms of, you know, the, the pillars of your program, the, the pillars of your um, culture that you wanted to instill uh, that basically led you guys to that heartbreak and elation the last, you know, week of the season going into the playoffs. Listen to you in those big words, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, man, I'll be honest with you. I, I think that everyone comes in and they have this like idea of like, this is exactly what we're going to do. This is exactly who we're going to be. But you kind of have to figure out who your kids are first. Man. And that, you know, for me, the first thing I did was I walked in and said, okay, you know, there's a few non-negotiables. Number one, you're going to be on time. You know, you have to start with these small things. You can't walk a kid in and first day and say, we're going to be you know, this pillar of success. No, dude, you got to walk in and say, why are you not running to the field house every day? Ask them why. You know, and, and you start to develop the, the relation. You start to develop these relationships and the personality of these kids, and then you make the team off of what these kids are through the year, like through the spring, the summer, and the fall. We kind of figured out who our kids were. We figured out who this community was, and we figured out, okay, we're going to do things right. You know, morally speaking, we're going to have an identity. You know, you know me, I'm wide zone. We're going to run the wide zone. What we're going to do defensively, we're going to be in your face. You know, this is who we are, and we found who we were. But it's also a persona. You know, you got to figure out who you are as a team. You know, and for us, it was, dude, we're the, we're the rejects, man. Like, we were the rejects from Foster. So when, when Foster split, uh, Fulcher was basically the rejects. <laughs> and, um, you know, everyone hated us. You know, we were kind of the rich suburban pricks, lack of better terms. And, and I said, you know what? Let's, let's own it. You guys, hey, we're the villain. Let's be the villain, man. Let's. Let's go out and have a great time being the villain. Talk shit, have a good time. We're gonna do it with discipline. Um, we're gonna we're gonna outcoach everybody we possibly can. Um, we're gonna we're gonna fight. Dude. We're going to fight physically. We're going to fight. I said we're not gonna be able. To, and you know, you walk into a game, man. Like 
I can name I can name one game we played where we actually out athlete people. Other than that, dude, we walk in the game, we do not. Our, my best old lineman benches one seventy five, bro. You know, and we're out there playing a And M Consolidated, who's got three Division One linemen. You know, and, and so we have to have an identity, and, and that was our first thing is find our identity. And, and so this this fall and this winter, that's been our number one goal right now is, you know, who are we? What are our core values, and how do we just how do we find those based on what we figured out about this community and this campus? So you know, really, I think everyone knows what they want, right? You, be on time, work hard, da 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 da. But really, it's about building relationships with those kids and figuring out who those kids are, and then building off of that. How much do you? How much would you say that the kids are the main influence on a lot of what goes on in terms of the direction of? the overall day-to-day and and program thing versus just like you as the totalitarian dictator, um, you know, this is exactly what we're going to do. You know, obviously take away your non-negotiables, right? You're not letting them just pick the workouts or you're not just letting them set practice, whatever. Like you're going to have those, you're going to delegate that, but giving the kids buy-in, where, where, where does that fall and where have you kind of learned like, Hey, this is actually probably not a bad idea to just let them have more of a voice. Cause I think that's such a apprehensive thing for most coaches, right? We're all control freaks to an extent, but these kids, right. We all say that the game has changed. The kids are different. Uh, I mean, are they different to an extent? Yeah. Uh, but how how many how many how many of us were exactly the way we are now in high school? Oh, dude, I was a shithead, man. Are you kidding me? So okay, and this is what I try to tell people: like, kids haven't changed. They just have a million other things they can do. They have so many more. They have so many more like alternatives. Like they don't have to sit here and play football and get berated by an old man, you know. So you have to make it fun for them. You know, for me, football wasn't fun, but it's what you did. In most places, it's not what you do. Like, I can go and make money on YouTube playing freaking Fortnite if I want to. You know, I've got two kids that quit because they literally make Twitch videos. And I have one kid that makes like $20,000 a month, man. And I'm, what am I supposed to tell him? No, you need to play football. No, bro. Go, go do you, man. In fact, I am going to help you. I'll tell you what. You can take the football class. No PE. Help me make my graphics. So he helped me make my graphics this year. You know, but... I think you have to decide, are you a, a player-led team or a coach-led team? And a lot of people are coach-led teams, and I think the old-school mentality is is very much the, the coach-led. And I'm a player-led guy. You know, I, you know, I want people, to, I want people to, to know exactly what to expect, but I think those kids deserve to, you know, this is, if they don't have ownership in a team, then why are they doing it? Like, they get to name our signals. You know, a lot of them get to name our plays. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a grinder for my kids. Like, Christmas break, hey, come get your lift. Dude, I don't care if you show up. If you want to, come on. Man. I'm not going to hold it against you. I think the other thing I think is a little different about me and our staff is, you know, we're really young. Like, dude, I'm 38, and I'm like the second oldest dude on the staff. <laughs> I'm the old man, you know? And so, but when you go in and you start thinking to yourself, like, dude, we don't work on Saturdays. I don't make my kids come in, but my captains take role for an open weight room that I'm there because I'm working anyways. But – 
they take role. The captains take role. Um, we give them the workout, and they roll with it. You know, and if the kids want to show up, they show up. They hold each other accountable. Um, you know, it's not. You know, I think the old school mentality of, you know, you got to grind, isn't really a thing anymore. I think, you know, for us, it's the grind is. Is it really a grind if you enjoy it? Because if you stop enjoying it, then why are you doing it? And I think that's really what you have to look at is. Do you want the kids to truly enjoy it or do you want them to be grinders? Yeah. And, and I, and I'll be honest with you. That's like grind is one of my least favorite words in the entire just dictionary because, and in, it's probably the top least favorite in terms of cliche, you know, uh, sports stuff, because to me, it's so overused to emphasize everything whether it's hard or not you know I, I think there are people out there that want to just show you they are working for the sake of working so that nobody can say they're not working but in reality they ain't doing the damn thing they're just spinning wheels you know there are some right. people that that do you know bust their ass and, and they're doing great things uh but ultimately when you have to to me when you have to grind um it's because there is a tough moment in time. It's not because you're having to work to work. But yeah, dude, like the grind, it, it, dude, Sparkman says it the best, you know, he's just like, you know, the next grind might be the next injury, you know, like more is not better. This is not a, this is not a, this is a 1985 man. Like I can get in work and be done. Like, dude, our lifting workouts are like no more than 35 minutes now, you know, but we're going to, I'm going to hit it every day. It's about frequency. It's, you know, it, 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 it's just different for me. Like, dude, our practices are not more than an hour and 45 minutes. I don't need to do more. Otherwise it's just me just doing work for no reason. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, and that's, we, well, you and I had had conversations during the season about a lot of different things. And, you know, one of the deals was you're, you're, you were adamant we are not moving on in certain areas until it's no longer, you don't mess it up once or twice. It's just, you just can't mess it up because it's, it becomes ingrained, you know, or yeah. that, that was a, that's one of those, I'm, I'm assuming that's one of those non-negotiables that, you know, whatever we have is what we have. And we're just going to work off of that because at least we know we're not going to screw it up. Well, hundred percent, man. Like, I think people don't truly understand like, you know, it's, it goes back to the junction boys, right? It goes back to the junction boys are, you know, do I have to kill a kid to make sure that I ingrain it in his head? Or do I just say, Hey, if this is important to you, you're going to do it. That's simple. If this is important to you, you're going to do it. I'm going to make it so that this is important to you because this is yours, not mine, yours. And I think that's the difference. And everyone talks about, you know, kids have changed. And, and, you know, it also goes back to the mentality of, of social media and pushing your kids. And, you know, I've been, you know, I've been told that, you know, I'm, I'm young and I, I do things and I'm an asshole and I, you're a douche because, you know, you go out, you put yourself in, on Twitter. And I'm like, no, dude, I put my kids out on Twitter and I just voice my opinion on things that people ask me questions about. But me putting my kids out and making these videos and spending money um, you know, making ridiculously good videos and editing for kids. Like, dude, they love this stuff, man. And, and they eat it up. 
you know, and they talk to each other. Like the kid, our kids love playing for Fulcher. Our kids love playing for Tomball. Our kids love playing for Westbrook. You know, you don't, our kids don't complain about it. They actually truly enjoy being a part of that team. How, yeah. And, and that's a really good point because I, in, in this day and age with, you know, the transfer portal in college and for lack of a better term, the transfer portal in high school, because let's all be honest, these kids can go almost anywhere they want as yeah. long as they know how to answer the right questions. And it's to an extent, it's kind of the wild west, you know, so we're never going to be able to arms race in terms of facilities the way that they do at college because it's just it's too expensive and there's so yeah. much more red tape at the high school level. So to me, the quote unquote arms race becomes that what you just said, the love yeah. for playing for that team and what your social media presence is, because that's how these kids interact and communicate oh, is yeah. through this, you know, yeah. like, it, it, and people don't understand, like, I'm going to portray, okay, so I started Twitter a long time ago when I was coaching in Los Angeles, okay? When I was at LA Valley, it was, Twitter was my way to communicate to mass groups of people without having some text messages. That's how it started. And I just kind of grew it and figured out, okay, this can be something. And so what I did was I made it a platform. And the one thing I always told my kids, and I've always been very adamant about it, is social media should be a billboard of the positivity of your life. It should be you bragging about your life. Nobody cares about your, your stupid little problems because everyone has them. But people want to see like, you know, that's why Instagram has become this like people have these body image problems because it's not real, man. Like, dude, you can't do that all the time. You know, but for us, it's this is our video. This is how, how hard our kids work. Aren't our kids having fun? You know, do we work our kids? Hell yes. Is it always fun? No. But is it, you know. In the end of the day, man, our kids love it. They retweet it. You know, oh, man, it's so awesome. Yeah, that's not what you said when you are throwing up, you know. And that's because you pushed yourself that hard, not because I forced you to do it, you know. But it's also me showing it in our kids showing, like, this is fun. Like, this is vulture, you know. The hashtag, that's our, dude, it's about branding. Brand yourself, right? You've branded yourself with the Hanging With Coach Noonan podcast. You've made yourself popular. Like, you've made, you've made a name for yourself through these 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 avenues of social media, you know, it goes back to how would everybody know who Monty Sparkman is if it wasn't for social media and people pushing him and him pushing himself. And, you know, Ron Mackey, everyone knows Ron Mackey. All right. Dude, Ron Mackey's a computer nerd from North Carolina right? from South Carolina. <laughs> Dude, and he and I have known each other for a decade, bro. Like he and I are friends, but he's a computer science major. You know, he's just a, you know, he's a nerd, but he has made a name for himself through, through social media. And I have too. It's about marketing. Market yourself, market your teams, market your kids. We have coaches that come through our school every day that want to know what we do and who we are. And, and, you know, college coaches come by and see our kids for no reason other than the fact that they just know who we are. Hey, keep up the good work, man. I love what you guys are doing out there. Bro, you don't know what we're really doing. You just see what I want you to see. Right. I, I think that's extremely important because I've seen guys that, dismiss and poo-poo this whole social media deal yet they're going to turn around and be the first person to retweet like comment on somebody else and try to ride those coattails hoping that it parlays into something else 
Whereas like somebody like you, somebody like Ron, somebody like Monty, although I blame Monty for my uh, back injury right now. If I wasn't, if I wasn't with the monster, man, no, well, if it was just the vibe in the, in the gym at the time at his house, I finally got to train at the Mecca and it was just a good vibe. And I I just, I didn't stop when I needed to stop and I tried to PR too early. So it's all good. It's all good. I'd go back and do it a million times over. I wouldn't change a damn thing anyway. So you live and learn, but you know, if it, it's like you said, if it wasn't for the, for the work, you know, I, I don't think that these, I don't think that things would be trending in a, in a potentially better direction with that, without having more guys like you understanding the value of what's going to happen. Because to me, the other deal is at some point, you know, we have to start educating these kids about who they are and what this NIL deal is. And maybe, maybe the, the game the fact is that, changing. Well, and, and that's what I'm saying is maybe that the NIL becomes the kick in the pants to finally start changing curriculum and go, Oh shit, we actually need to teach these kids legitimate life skills because our best athletes, male or female, regardless of sport, are potentially going to have the opportunity to have a six-figure deal at a high school. And that's what people, like, I think, okay, so the game has changed. You know, social media has given people a platform. Educated, uneducated, dumb, intelligent, poor. Ping bong, baby, ping bong. You know, but it's true. Like, it's given everybody a platform. You know, the cash me outside chick. Dude, she's famous. It gives everybody a platform. And if you don't, you, this is a powerful tool that people don't grasp. Like there are so many people that I can influence. Okay. So here's a great example to you. So there's a guy on Twitter who is a, he's a day trader. His name's the Zach Morris, right? Yes. Zach Morris from Say by the Bell, but he's a guy here in Houston, but he's world known through day trading. If he literally tweets something about a day trade, like it, like that stock jumps like 15% in 10 seconds. That is the influence social media has on everybody. You know, they talk about, you know, they talk about like how, you know, the AMC and the game stuff, it all started through social media. Like these guys are like, you know what? Screw it. You guys, we're going to, we're going to band together. We're going to hold the, and that's the influence. It goes back to the influence of social media. Like if Ron Mackey puts out, hey, Kurt Warner, I just want to do an interview with you. Holler at me. And two days later, he's doing an interview with Kurt Warner. If I put out something about, you know, my Christmas massacre, dude, I had at least 35 emails in, in 30 minutes. Like DMs to, hey, man, what'd you do? That was awesome. I, mean, I appreciate it. Hey, here's the workout, guys. Like, I don't care. Go have fun. Like the head coach of Cy Falls and I talked about it for a week. And I was like, hey, this we're going to change it this year. This is what I'm going to do. He's like, we're going to do it on Wednesday. You guys do it on Tuesday. Let me know what went wrong. I'm like, and I'm like, hey, we're going to, we're bringing a guy in to film it. I'm paying a dude to come film this thing, you know, because that's what these kids want. And you know, they're going to work harder if somebody's, if it's going to be on social media. And it goes back to, I can also explain to a kid and show a kid, hey, man, this is how you handle social media. This is how you handle yourself in those situations. This is real. This isn't a passing fad. It's not. 
You know, the world's at your fingertips. And think about this. Somebody says something stupid on social media 10 years ago. They can go back, dig that up and find it. Something you did. Again, you have to teach these kids like you can't you have to be intelligent about what you put out there. You know, what you think is funny in 10 years, it may not be, you know, and I think and I think that, you know, it's it goes back to, like you said, teach these kids life skills. You know, this NIL, man, it has changed the world. I mean, look at look what look what happened at Jackson State. That dude flipped from Florida State to Jackson State because of an NIL deal. The dude that went from Ohio State from South Lake Carroll come back to Texas and he's got like a 1.5 million deal. Like, what in the world? This kid's 18 years old. It ain't going away. You no. might as well ride it. No. You know, what? how long has uh, LeBron been in the league? Almost 20 years? He's my age. So he graduated when I graduated high school. So he's, so, he's 38, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when he got his Nike deal straight out of high school, not a single NBA game under his belt, right? That was like that was that was unheard of, right? And, and That's really, right. you hadn't had anything since then to that magnitude. Uh, now, obviously, he's lived up to the hype and and probably surpassed everything that they thought he could do and would do. Uh, but but he gave back. But he's and, and that's the deal. He's a great example of making sure, like you said, you surround yourself with the right people. You diversify the things that you're doing, but ultimately you're giving back. And, you know, if, if he doesn't start his school and, and he doesn't do the things that he does, I don't know that, you know, Akron, Ohio and, and much of Ohio is, is as. No, it's not successful. It it's, it's, he gave back and, and, you know, people don't talk about it. They just want to hate on people, I think. And I don't know the guy personally, um, you know, but he's one of those guys that you don't hear anything bad about him. He's married his high school sweetheart. He gives back to the community, you know, but he's give he's voiced his opinion on some things and people get pissed. I'm like, guys, and that's the problem I think people understand. It goes back to, okay, think about this. Back in the day, you know, we're talking, you know, let's talk Roman times. Let's talk about, you know, let's talk about, you know, even in the you know, 1800s, 1700s. The people that were respected were the ones were the were the warriors, the people in royalty. You know, it was never the jesters, it was never the singers. You know, those were not the people that were idolized. And right now we idolize those people. We idolize those jesters, those actors, those comedians. And now they have a platform to say what they want to say. And, and you know, you can't get mad that they have this platform. Heck, I mean, everyone knows who Karen is. You're a Karen, right? Because there was a platform. And, and I think, you know, and, and I think you need, going back to what we talked about before, I think when you when you get a job, and especially in a situation being a head coach, you know, your, your label and your name that you have is being put on what's happening in that school, but it's also happening with those kids. You know, and I think, you know, surrounding yourself with people that are better at things than you. Great example. You know, I hired Derek Jones. He's, the, uh, he's one of my line coaches. He was the D-line coach at Klein Oak one of the best recruiting coordinators I've ever been around in my entire life. Dude, just an absolute just boss. But what he's done is he's told, he's shown these kids how to put their Twitters together. He's shown these kids how to put their, their huddles together. He goes through like mock interviews with our kids 
to show them how to handle a college recruiter, how to handle if he DMs him. What do you say back? How do you handle it? What do you say? These are the questions you ask. These are the, and these are the things that we're trying to teach our kids because, dude, those guys DM and follow our kids before they ever talk to us. You know it. I know it. And, well, they need to be talking to our head coach. They are going to talk to the head coach. But they're also going to vet this kid first. They want to follow his Twitter. They want to see what he's doing. You know, but if you have your Twitter on point, like we talked about, you know, you're going to pass that point. And I think people just, again, they don't follow this. And I, and I think it, maybe it's a new age thing. Shit, I don't know. I'm feel, I feel old. I've got gray hair, man. <laughs> Lies. There's no I do, gray. man. You see, I'm, they're on my beard, bro. Uh, I, my wife told me I had a – I haven't shaved my head in a few days, and I've got the Wario growing. It's it's, like, it's like literally a W on my head right now, so – um, she's like your your forehead and your I've got the the bald spot the yamaka in the back so they're racing to touch each other. And I said thanks. How much credit do you want to take for it? And she goes, I won't take any credit for that. That's, That's your awesome. job. That's your job choice. So, but I, I love her and and I appreciate all her support and you know she indulges me with this podcast thing. But you know it, it still goes back to what you're saying, like the the surrounding yourself with the with people that are better than you. But it's not just that you don't feel threatened because he understands how to do that. No. You, you look at it as an asset. I think, unfortunately, there are coaches that look at these things as a threat rather than an asset. But if you were to go into the business world, that's exactly what you would have. You'd still have the same issues as some guys are going to look at you as an asset or a threat. But you can't tell me that every CEO doesn't have a damn good COO, a damn good CFO, like somebody that knows their stuff, especially if you've got millions and billions of dollars riding on the line. Oh yeah. And you don't know how to do it. You better find somebody that does. Well, and so like, this is what I'll tell you. Like, so one thing I've done and I've been, I got really lucky is I've surrounded myself with a bunch of guys that are really good at certain areas that I don't want to deal with or that I am not very good at. You know, when I first got my head job in Missouri, I micromanaged everything and did everything myself and about had an aneurysm. I almost killed myself, man. Like legitimately, I like almost went into a complete panic attack um, after year three because I was trying to do everything by myself. Here, here at Folsher, what I figured out was I can surround myself with people that are better than me. Like I know what my strengths are. Like I'm a very good public speaker. I'm good with kids. Um, I'm an X and O guy. Um, you know, organization, eh, probably not so much, right? Like I'm not good at that. Um, you know, keeping control of paperwork, eh, not really a paperwork guy either. You know, I'll do it, I got, but I'm not that guy. Um, you know, things like that, things like, you know, getting the food together, you know, the logistical part, you know, the DF, I don't, I'll be honest with you, man. Like I'm really bad about it. I am, but you better believe I can put a practice schedule together and I can coach my ass off and I can go talk to a crowd of people and, you know, I can go BS and kick, kiss babies and shake hands. You know, I've, you know, my DC and my assistant head coach is one of the most organized dudes in the world. And he does all the things I don't want to do. You know, I've got an OC who does a phenomenal job taking care. Like we did a whole like uh, angel tree thing and he put it all together. And I'm like, dude, you tell me what, you guys tell me what you need me to do to be successful. And you're going to own this thing. You know, we had a huge like elementary, uh, dude, our, our, our kids and our coaches were at every elementary every week. And it wasn't because I put it together, I, but they told me this is what I need you to do coach. Can you handle this for me? I got you. Whatever resources you need, I'm going to put it there for you. I am not too proud, man. Like, 
you won't even know I'm coaching in the game half time because I'm 40 yards away when I call plays. But other than that, man, I'm just hanging out watching and I'm talking to kids. And But for the most part, man, I, I think people have a hard time swallowing the pride. Myself personally, I'm, you know, I am who I am. I have an arrogant personality. I, I, I get that, man. But if it wasn't for who I was personally, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I wouldn't. So, you know, people can hate me all I want. And I think a lot of the thing goes back to, you know, are you willing to sacrifice your own pride and say, dude, I don't know everything. And for me, my staff does so much work that I would say, you know, by the end of the end of next year, I've got three dudes on my staff that could be head coaches right now. And, you know, I'm going to give you a great example. And this is more of a, a compliment to my staff than to me. You know, so um, when we beat El Campo, I won the uh, Texas, Texas coach, Texans coach of the week, right? So it was on a Wednesday. They come down and there's lightning kind of going around. We're trying to sneak a practice in. And my AD, my AD comes to surprise me with, with the cheerleaders, which was awesome. <laughs> and the check and the guy, you know, and like we had the whole thing and the kids were there. They were celebrating and then lightning struck and like it was mass chaos. And dude, it, we never skipped a beat. It was, hey, we're going to plan B. KJ, take your guys here. Hey, Ashton, take your guys here. You know the drill. Switching 30. I'll holler at you guys in a minute. Dude, and our kids went, hey, ready, ready. And they flew off. Like everyone knew where to go. They knew what to do. Never missed a beat. And I could sit there and talk to the, I could talk to the Texans guy. I could talk to the AD. I could talk to the media guy. And it was no big deal. Like the, we never missed a beat. Like I didn't have to be in control. And she emailed me afterwards and she's like, I've never been a part of anything where, you know, the head coach was tied up and, you know, there was mass chaos around and you guys had everything under control and like, you just never missed a beat. And I told her because I've surrounded myself with these amazing men that they know their role, they own their role. And my job is to groom them and their job is to make me better. And so I think if I was going to tell anybody to get the job, man, anybody that's going to has a job, you know, surround yourself with those people, man. I have been so lucky. God, I've been lucky. Hey, I've given up the weight room to somebody, bro. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but my guy knows his stuff, man. He's sharp, dude. You know, I just felt like he needed a little bit more, you know, intensity stuff. And there's things I kind of want to do, but I'm not like, man, you, you program it. I trust you. Because I don't have the hours to put into that, man. Like, I don't. Yeah, I used to. And I loved it. And I still love the waiver, man. But I have to let go of it. For me, for our kids to be successful in this team and make a next, the next turn, it can't be me. It can't be me. No, I love it, man. I think that's, that's everything, you know, in a nutshell right there is – in order to be successful, it just, it can't be you. It's about everybody else. And, you know, I, I've said it several times and I know you would agree with it is that there's room for everybody to eat at the table. The table is not as small as, as people want it to be and, and as closed off. Um, that thing is as big as you want it to be based on how many people you help. And I think it's a testament to, you know, who you are as a person that, I'm as successful as I am because I've come to you with some ideas and you're like, hell yeah, man, run with it. Or no, you're a dumbass. Like, and, <laughs> and it doesn't bother me either way. Like, but I, I appreciate those responses. And, and I know, and I can say that about, you know, several other people. And I know you can say that about other people too. Like 
if you don't have those people around you that can check you both ways, you're really, you're still by yourself ultimately. And you know, everyone, one of my biggest pet peeves was when teams would break down family. It, it bothered me, man. It, it about, because I really, I'm like, are you guys willing to check each other? Cause let me tell you something. I'm going to punch my brother in the face. If he does something stupid, are you like, are you going to do it? And are you going to love him and sacrifice for him too? So you're not a family. You're just a bunch of guys playing together, you know? And for me, it's, you know, I'm going to be there when your baby's born. Like you're wet. Hey, you need help, brother. I'm going to be there. You, you know, and the table is round. It's not, it's not, it's not rectangle. There is no head of the table, bro. Every day we come together. And the first thing I ask is tell me what you guys think. What do you guys think? What can we do? You know, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you think about this? You know, I, I don't know it all. Shit. I think, hell, there are guys on my staff that have forgot more football than I'll ever know. You know, and I respect that. And for me, I think a lot of a lot of what we do and how we're the reason we're successful is because our kids have bought into that mentality too. Nobody's better than anybody. We are who we are. Um, and we're in this together. It's the dirty F, baby. We're the dirty F. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Well, how how can uh how can people follow the journey? You know, if they if they don't know where you are on social media, they're definitely living under a rock. But um, you know, if they if they haven't discovered Fulcher football and Fulcher athletics on, on social media, how do they how do they get a hold of that? Man, just uh coach coach Caduti is the is the Twitter. Um you've got um let's see, you've got recruit Fulcher is a website we always add you guys can take ideas off of, man. Like I said, my recruiting guy's man, dude. He has an entire website for kids. Like, dude, it's straight up. He like he even has like a secure access that they they can college coaches can pull up the transcripts right there. Um, but it's like secure password stuff. And, and, you know, it's, it's really cool. And we're thinking about doing it again. It goes back to the kids, man. And, you know, we, this is really interesting. I actually had a Bollywood director. Um, one of my coaches knew the guy in the master's program, da, 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 da. And basically for lack of better terms, man, um, he knew this Bollywood director that's made all these like documentaries on Netflix and they wanted to do one about Fulcher and we're really thinking about doing it. I wish they would have done it the first year because bro, this is like, I, I go to, I coach at 21 jump street. Shit's not real, man. Like I got stories that will blow your mind. Like there's no way that's real. Yeah. That happens on a daily around here. <laughs> like our outside linebacker, let me tell you a quick story. So our outside linebacker, he's like the heartbeat of the team, right? Dude, he's small. He's nothing special, but dude, he's a freaking ball player. Name's Gazetta. And you know, he's just that dude, man. He, he owns like a, a handyman business. He's 18 years old. He, you know, he has like three cars because he works for it. So I get a phone, we're playing Huntsville, right? And we're, I get a phone call on Wednesday. We have a walkthrough during the period on Wednesday. And then I get a phone call. I take 20 minutes every day out of my day and I go get a cup of coffee and I turn my phone off. It's 20 minutes. It's 20 minutes. It's me time. And I would turn my phone on to like 35 messages and voicemails because they had to cut his legs open. Da, 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 da. I'm like, what the hell? So I go down to the freaking woods. I go down to the metal shop. And he was grinding something and the grinder skipped off the metal and sliced both his legs open. I'm talking filet, like shrimp filet, bro. And I'm sitting there in it. We go to the nurse's office. He's got blood pouring everywhere. I'm like, this cannot be freaking real. He's got blood pouring everywhere, dude. His legs, dude. I'm telling you, 
I'm talking like four inches long in one leg and the other because it went to the other leg. And I mean, dude, he's like passing out from lack of blood. It's crazy. He comes back the next morning, hands me a doctor's note and says, I'm playing coach. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I got cleared 120 stitches later. This dude played in a game the next day in three overtimes and led the team in tackles 28. Like that's nuts. But bro, like that's what that's 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 who we are. That's vulture. We're not athletic, but we're sure as hell tough sons of bitches that can get after that ass. And that's how we found our identity at Fulcher. That's why we're the dirty F, baby. 